With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Bonjour. Welcome to this new episode of So French, a podcast about the twists and turns, intrigues and insights to all things French. Every two weeks, we select the best, most interesting and fascinating of French news stories, all brought to you from our studio in the heart of Paris. And this week, it's all about elections, elections and elections and some scandals as well. And we have a special segment. We talk about France's large and diverse Asian population. Um, and of course, Maud Descamps brings us a fresh French word of the day. But first... But first, yeah. uh, it, it's even difficult to, to know where to start. Yeah, it's such an incredible week again in French politics. But I think we need to start with François Fillon. The uh, Conservative Party, the Conservative Party's candidate for the elections. We have talked about this before. He has been hunted by this uh, fake job scandal, according to which he has hired his wife yep. and children um, for public money, but without them actually doing any proper work. Yeah, any especially work. his wife. Especially his wife. For years. It's called, it goes under the, the name of Penelope Gates here in, in, in France. Um, and let's just take a listen to what happened earlier this week. Mesdames et messieurs, uh, mon avocat a été informé que je serai convoqué le 15 mars par les juges d'instruction afin d'être mis en examen. Je ne me rendrai pas. J'irai jusqu'au bout parce qu'au-delà de ma personne, c'est la démocratie qui est défiée. So that was uh, François Fillon earlier this week. What did he say? Well, there he says, I will be on the 15th of March uh, put under formal investigation in this case, but I will still stand in the presidential election. And this, for those who remember, actually goes completely against everything that he has said up until now. Uh, he has said that he would step down only and only if he was put under formal investigation. Yeah, which and has happened now. Well, will, will happen. It will happen, yeah. And he still stays on. How is this possible, Stefan? Yeah, it's incredible. He's really, um, he's probably the only person in France who still thinks he has a chance to become the president of this country. Um, it's, it's he, basically his defense is to, is, is to attack uh, everybody who says he has done something wrong. So the judges, the media, uh, other politicians, uh, maybe even the Elysee, François Hollande. It's of all, of course, uh, a conspiracy against him, uh, and he doesn't really seem to realize uh, that the uh, well, the, how, how many people are really shocked by his behavior. It's also a way of a rhetoric that we normally see. Well, we have seen it by Donald Trump in the U.S. Absolutely. We've seen it also by dictators yeah. in quite countries that we might not want to be uh, linked to. Uh, but this way for François Hollande of of saying that you know using. 
his position to get out of a personal situation, which actually this involves his personal life. Yeah. Um, and using his position as a politician and, and you know, this platform of uh, press conferences and and his uh, his power and status as, as a yeah, top it's, politician. Yeah, and it's also a form of arrogance because he, uh, he gave the press conference uh, and it was supposed to start at noon and, it start, and he only showed up a half an hour later. And then it basically was a statement of eight minutes and there were no questions. So um, I really don't understand why the press is still showing up at these meetings. But uh, um, and, and he's really convinced about the fact that he did nothing wrong. And he also says, well, you know, what I've done, everybody does it. So what's the problem? And he doesn't seem to realize that the times have changed. He's a politician since 1981. Um, and this kind of behavior simply doesn't work anymore in 2017, uh, but he doesn't see it. Let's take a listen again, uh, another snippet of what he actually said in this, in this yeah. press conference. C'est un assassinat en effet, mais par ce déchaînement disproportionné, sans précédent connu, par le choix de ce calendrier. Yeah, here he said that he talks about a political assassination, which are really harsh words, of course. Um, he, he accuses the judges, the press, um, and it's it's dangerous rhetoric. Indeed, it reminds us of Donald Trump, a little bit of Marine Le Pen as well, but also of other uh, extreme right or populist leaders in, in Europe. Of course, he has done nothing wrong. It's the system that's against him. And it's interesting to just say that uh, he has... He was Mr. Clean. He sold himself yeah, that's as the, the, whole Mr. Point. the yeah, Mr. Yeah. Clean candidate who had never during his 30 years of, of political career been in any scandal. He was going to make a difference according to, to, to what he said was a, a sometimes corrupt system. And other candidates, especially blaming Sarkozy uh, for his legal uh, issues. Uh, so uh, it, it's quite a fascinating story. It's, it's, it's a, at the same time sad, I think, sad thing to to see because this is a man who is he, he's just falling in front of our eyes isn't yes, he? yeah absolutely and it's also bad for democracy in general and for france because it gives a very bad image of the politicians which is already pretty bad but don't you th i'm not quite agreeing with you on this no? one because i think that this actually shows that democracy and transparency is moving forward in france because this as he uh rightly says, is nothing new. Uh, French politicians have been hiring their family, uh, taking advantages of the system mm -hmm. uh, for decades and centuries. And now, suddenly, this is no longer okay. Yeah. That the system is reacting to it, that media is reacting to it, that French people is reacting to it. For me, it's actually something good. Yeah, no, yeah, actually, I agree with that. It's it's a completely... Um, if, if this would have happened like 10 or 15 years ago, then... People would have, you know, said, "Okay, well, you know, it's France," and and that doesn't longer. It wouldn't even have made a big thing in the media, I think. Yeah, no, and of course, uh, what's interesting as well is that when within his own party, uh, his supporters are, are 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 going every hour. There are more people leaving him behind. Um, there's even a, a counter on the on the website, the Libération, the, the, the newspaper. Uh, <laughs> a real-time counter. A real-time counter of all the people that dropped her, their support. And uh, as we are taping this show Friday afternoon, it's uh, on 75. But yesterday morning, it was on 5. So it's, you see... It's and these are heavy weights, actually, leaving. Yeah. He, he only, uh, today, well, yesterday, well, this end of the week, lost, you know, very heavyweight 
supporters. Uh, this morning, Friday morning, he lost his even his spokesperson. Yeah, his spokesperson Thierry Soler, who was a very very loyal uh, supporter of François Fillon. He's one the one who organized the primaries as well. And so if even he uh, steps down, it shows that, you know, it's... it's he's Can we just talk a little bit about his tweet? Because that sort of... When yeah, he announced that's his, a strange tweet. When he, when yeah. he announced his, his, that he was uh, withdrawing from this, he, no, he was in charge of uh, organizing the primaries on yep. the right wing. Um, but he says in his tweet, as the organizer of the primaries, I withdraw... Uh, my well, I, I stepped down from my duties as a press as a spokesperson for François Fillon. What does this mean? Does this mean that he's actually going to go look for another candidate? Well, yeah, you could interpret this that there will be maybe a new primary, but they have to be really, really quickly because the deadline for the candidacies is the 16th of March. They so need to move quickly. Ten days. <laughs> uh, but the problem is that the uh, statutes of the party only um, allow um, a candidate when he has been elected by a primary election. There is no uh, plan B, as they call it here. There's no alternative. So they if, they, if another candidate wants to step in, well, theoretically, they should organize a new primary election, uh, which seems to me logistically almost impossible. But that's the only way they can do it. And if Fion steps down in the next couple of days... Um, it will be very tough to get another candidate. So they're they're in, in trouble. But if he steps down himself, maybe uh, they could say that, you know, the... The, the, the number two. The number two. Which is Alain Juppé, yeah. the former prime minister. Yeah, they could. But there's no... They don't... They did not foresee... This, no one uh, expected no this. No one expected this. <laughs> they all expect that he was going to be the president. Absolutely. I mean, in November, this yeah. was a done deal. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's incredible how they can screw up and, and just... Uh, lose the election that was, you know, everybody thought they were going to win uh, only uh, two months ago. Now, François Fillon is not the only one in trouble with the uh, legal forces. <laughs> There's another person, Marine Le Pen. Um, she is actually uh, involved. She has been quite, she hasn't been out you know, criticizing not a, not Fillon really, very much no. on this particular issue, I must say. And there's a reason for that, because she's involved in, in, in well, a kind of similar scandal, because um, she uh, allegedly employed uh, 20 parliamentary assistants in the European Parliament, so uh, paid by the European taxpayer, and they've not been working for her at the European Parliament, but at the, uh, maybe at the head office, headquarters of the Front National, which is forbidden. Um, she has refused to go to police questioning uh, in this case, but there is another case uh, where she has to show up to the police, and that's the case where she tweeted um, horrible images uh, about one and a half year ago uh, of uh, propaganda images of the of the Islamic State. The European Parliament waived her parliamentary immunity um, because she's a member of the European Parliament, so she will have to answer the questions of the French police in this uh, very uh, particular um, case. She tweeted uh, photos um, and half a day later, she already took them off the web. It was still. criticized by us. These were actually victims uh, of the Islamic State group. Yeah. Uh, they, their families, uh, yeah, they, was they, 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 were, they were upset because she was using uh, their, their dead relatives yeah. in a political purpose. Yeah. And of course, Marine Le Pen says that she used the images to show the hor horrible acts of uh, IS. 
but there's a law in France that forbids the distribution of violent images. She's now under investigation of this act. So we'll see what will lead to that. It is interesting, though, to see how, you know, the rhetoric used by Marine Le Pen in this case and, and, and the similarities with François Fillon, because, you know, for a long time, or at least a couple of months before this all these scandals broke, um, François Fillon was seen as the person who was going to be able to stand up against uh, Marine Le Pen. And now we're seeing both of them using the same rhetoric, the Absolutely. same accusations yep. against the media, against the justice system, yep. portraying themselves as the victims. Um, and, and they suddenly end up looking very much the same. Yeah, absolutely. And what's interesting as well is that they're both uh, defenders of a very severe legal system with harsh punishment and, and uh, zero tolerance. And, for know, others. For okay. others, yeah, as they say in French. Uh, do as I say, but don't do as I do. <laughs> <laughs> And then the third man, uh, he's doing pretty well, actually. Well, the thing is, yeah, because we now we finally have it, right? We yeah. have it. We yeah. have the program, the yeah, political program of... Emmanuel Macron. Exactly. Yeah, the third man, the independent candidate who's doing really, really well in the polls. Um, Merci Fillon, he will probably say. Um, but he's gaining momentum. And for a very long time... Uh, There was a lot of criticism because this man, he's running for president without a program. But this week in Paris, he presented his program. Small detail, it was at exactly the same moment as François Fillon was holding his press conference. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And so, um, and one of the, this is one of the things he said. La France est un pays irréformable. Mais nous ne proposons pas de le réformer. Nous proposons une transformation complète, radicale. So that was uh, Emmanuel Macron. He basically said that uh, we cannot reform this country, and I think he's right, and therefore we need a radical transformation. So that's... Uh, a that's new French revolution. Is this what you're telling me? That it's yeah, going to be a new I hope revolution? so. It would be time. Uh, but if you look at his program, it is interesting, I have to admit. Uh, at least it's optimistic, and I think that's... Uh, in, in France, and it's a very open program. It's a very open towards Europe, open yeah. towards the rest of the world. Absolutely. Um, but but it's interesting to say that you know he who is at some by some uh, criticized for being the continuation of the politics of of uh, Hollande. He was his economy minister yes. after all. He has a very social democratic almost, or some maybe more liberal, but yeah. still some social democratic uh, ideas. And still, it's him coming out then, as you say, as someone, uh, as a revolutionary. Yeah, it is. It is strange. But that shows how um, very fixed uh, the system is and how difficult it is to really be, be to be really different. Um, what's also interesting about the fact is that he's, of course, uh, independent. He has his own movement, En Marche, but it's not a political party in the traditional sense. And the last couple of days... Um, He's getting more and more support from um, disappointed socialists, but also disappointed people at the Conservative Party. Um, the the center candidate, the traditional center candidate, Bayrou, François Bayrou, also supported him. So he's attracting people from all kinds of uh, political colors, um, which is, uh, well, which could be an advantage, but it could also be a disadvantage. But he's got a lot of support. But the question is, of course, how is he going to implement his program? Because, as you said, he doesn't have a political party and he doesn't have a, a group in parliament. So how th that is 
I think, one of the biggest issues. How is he going to manage that situation if he would be elected the president? Yes, indeed. Um, that's, of course, the question, because after the presidential election in June, there's a general election uh, for the lower house, and he, he will really need people in the parliament in order to get all his uh, propositions passed. Um, that's going to be difficult. He um, has um, actually he asked for the French people to apply to become a candidate. He received about 10,000 reactions, uh, people who have never been a politician before. That's also very interesting. Um, and 30% of those 10,000 are women. And, and that's one of his strong points. Emmanuel Macron really wants 50% uh, of the candidate, candidates to be uh, either a woman or a man, but at least he wants really 50-50. Um, and so he's really fighting uh, for that, which I think is already positive if you look at the, the, the current uh, House of Parliament in, in, in France. Which is a pretty sad situation. <laughs> yeah, to, to be yeah even Rwanda and Afghanistan, they have more women in the parliament than France. Um, but, but, yeah. even, but still, let's say even if he does create his party and even if he does create, I mean, he, he will still have to more or less negotiate every single bill in parliament to yes. get it through. And that will be a major challenge because we do know <clears throat> politicians and we do know i mean negotiating with negotiating with a group a parliamentary group is one thing yeah. but he will have to go if if i understand this correctly with each and every person actually yeah he has to find a majority on every topic so he will have to negotiate and now uh, to us uh, sweden and the netherlands it's very common to negotiate a, co a compromise uh, compromise um but that's not tradition in france so it's going to be really difficult um yeah, it's it's new. It's a small revolution uh, in French politics. It could work. Um, I looked it up. If he is elected, he will be the youngest leader uh, France has ever known since Napoleon the First. Napoleon was. Uh, is that a good comparison? Uh, I don't know, but it's two <laughs> two centuries ago. Uh, so you know, you can imagine it's it's sort of a revolution. Thirty nine years old, and maybe France's next president. just gone from the year of the ape to enter uh, the year of the rooster. Uh, the Chinese New Year has been celebrated across France and the world, especially though in Paris. Uh, we've uh, seen it all across uh, the different Asian neighborhoods in the city. My neighborhood was filled with uh, red lanterns and uh, there are uh, been parades in several parts of the city as well. And um, Paris, Paris actually has uh, more than one uh, Chinatown, which is quite rare for a city. There is the biggest, uh, the biggest Chinatown, which is in the 13th arrondissement, which is just down the street from here, actually, where we are. And then you have uh, the Arsimetier Chinatown, which is the oldest Chinatown in Paris. And then you have the Belleville, which is in the east of the, in the city, uh, which is the, the one with the, the biggest Chinese population, actually. Uh, but so today we're going to explore uh, a little bit more of this and we're together with Leo Takuchi, uh, who's joining us for this edition. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for accepting me. <laughs> <laughs> you are uh, Secretary General of Asia 2.0. Uh, can you just briefly tell us what is Asia 2.0? Asia 2.0 is an um, association, a French association, 
which goal is to uh, fight against racism aimed at uh, the Asian communities. We have decided to fight against racism, not as a global issue, but first to uh, point out that uh, the racism against the Asian communities was a little bit more uh, discreet and insidious. And this is why we have gathered the support from the Vietnamese, the Chinese, sometimes the the Japanese com communities to uh, raise us one voice. And then we would be able to Uh, present ourselves as another community fighting against racism as a whole. And so uh, we just talk about this because uh, the Asian population is the third biggest uh, group uh, in, in France after the European group of immigrants and then the uh, people from Northern Africa and then it's actually the, the Asian immigrants. Um, but can you actually talk about an Asian community in France, or is it more separated according to what country people are coming from? We can talk about communities in the case of the Vietnamese and the Chinese population because um, the Chinese uh, migrants or foreigners are quite uh, numerous and uh, the Vietnamese people are uh, from the, the uh, old colonies, French colonies. This is why they have uh, gained the right to migrate to, uh, to France under some uh, some special um, conditions and this is why they we can uh, we can feel um, their their strong sense of community and that they have uh, managed to to develop businesses around the 13th uh, district the third district and Belleville like you said before The Asian community is one of the biggest uh, minority groups in the country, uh, yet uh, we rarely hear talk about them in the news. Um, it's pretty, uh, well, the issues are pretty neglected by politicians as well. I mean, uh, there are a lot of um, uh, people from the Maghreb active in politics or literature or in culture, yet um, Asian people, we rarely see them. And, and nevertheless, there's a lot of racism as well, uh, which is underreported in the media. Um, how do you explain this, uh, the fact that we rarely talk about Asian racism and, 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 and very little about the Asian community in general? Uh, first of all, I would well maybe remind that uh, the, Asian, uh, the Asian population don't have the same, uh, the same feeling about participating in, into politics. So that's why maybe if they uh, feel that racism is an issue, sometimes they don't really think that politics could be the, the good solution. And sometimes you you can. You so is that is that a question of, of culture, or where does that idea come from? Then, for economic from migrants from an economic issue, so these people first want to succeed, make some success, or achieve something as um, as businessmen. They try to make their own company. Sometimes working as uh, working in restaurants or uh, clothes shops. But they want to uh, become someone before having the right to speak about th something. And sometimes when this population stay as they were uh, as they were when they arrived here, poor, they don't really feel that they have the rights to, to to speak aloud about this. There was a big uh, racist incident in uh, Aubervilliers, which is in the north of Paris. Um, there was a big demonstration as well, and it was basically. One of the first times that um, the, the Asian population uh, demonstrated. Um, could you tell us what happened in Aubervilliers? 
I would like to mention that this is a, this is not the first time that the Asian communities demonstrated uh, for uh, for to ask for security, and um, well, we have not witnessed the scene. Uh, I have not witnessed witnessed the the scene myself, but I uh, know that uh, a Chinese a French a Frenchman from Chinese ancestry was uh, attacked by some uh, someone in the streets asking for money and uh, there's a strong uh, stereotype that uh, the Asian people carry a lot of uh, liquid of cash money and that's why they make quite good uh, targets for uh, among tourists and the Japanese uh, Japanese tourists are often complaining about this so uh, this is Maybe uh, a common a common history, but this time the violence was such that uh, the Chinese uh, the uh, the Chinese man was killed, and uh, once again the uh, the whole community rise to ask for more security, and this is somehow um, a paradox that the Chinese community ask for conservative parties in France to uh, ensure their security. And how did the government react to uh, those uh, demonstrations? To me, the reaction from the government is... Um, well, there are two types of reaction. They are the diplomatic reactions uh, and they are the um, local reactions. And the, uh, in Paris, the local politician and the government politician are quite a close uh, in a close tie so i think the reaction was quite uh, effective but um, they have they might have taken this as a global problem trying to make a good image of uh, of the the country as a whole but not trying to solve that issue on racism do you think there is something changing in the French society and that actually these issues are now being more um, that we talk more about them or is it, it, it is, is it still a status quo on these issues? Many uh, many associations already def uh, fight against racism and uh, the same association which are some uh, criticized for maybe uh, taking more seriously the African or the Arab communities are saying that we shouldn't be um, taking too much from the American model of multiculturalism. And they think that we should have a Republican uh, way of dealing with that problem. And maybe if something is changing, that's uh, the... Uh, The rise in politics of the, the Front National, the, the Nationalist Party, is making that we don't, we are not sure about which is the right way to, uh, to fight against racism. We have this American influence and we have what the French model have done so far. And we, uh, I, th I feel the, the change when I, uh, when I realized that uh, people are trying to find a new way to uh, fight, fight against racism. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Leo Takauchi. Uh, you don't have a website yet, but we can follow you on Twitter. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter and I have a blog uh, on which I uh, write article. It's www. Uh, dot franco-japonais dot 
wordpress.com. Okay, franco-japonais.wordpress.com. Well, thank you very much for this um, very interesting view on um, Asian racism or racism on Asians in France, which unfortunately also exists. Uh, thank you, Leo Takauchi. Every episode, we talk to you about a special so French word or expression, and that's brought to you by Maud Descamps. Bonjour, Maud. Hi, Stefan. Hi, everyone. Uh, this week, I'd like to tell you about an expression we've heard a lot about François Fillon, candidate to the presidential election, who refuses to give up the election despite an investigation over fake job scandal. Um, a lot of medias in the past few days talked about François Fillon's baroud d'honneur, meaning François Fillon um, last stand as all his supports are quitting him. So, well, let's have a look at the etymology of the word baroud d'honneur. For once, the roots aren't Latin, but Arabic. And more specifically, from the Berber dialect in the south of Morocco, um, the word baroud meant explosive powder and the first expression, the, the expression was first used by uh, militaries in the in the 20s uh, to designate a battle. Today, the meaning of baroud is not only military but also political. Baroud d'honneur, the last battle, you know you can't win, but you will engage anyway. And that's all for the French word of the week. Hope you enjoyed it. Thanks very much, Modécon. À la prochaine. Well, we already talked about the, this topic last year, but because we both... Because you're so much into <laughs> no, it. you are into it. <laughs> but you are entitled to because you're Swedish. And of course, the best winner in the history of the Eurovision Song Festival still is ABBA until this very day. Um, so yeah, the Fra France has its candidate for this year's Eurosong. Um, who let's, is it? Let's, let's take a listen first. Les étincelles deviennent des flammes, les petites filles deviennent des femmes. Ce que tu crois être la mort, c'est un brasier et rien de plus. Yeah, this is young singer, she's called Alma. But the title of the song, well, it maybe says a lot about the state of the country. It's called Requiem. Requiem, yeah. Well. Uh, I don't know. Last year, for those who remember, there was a, it was a big, big year for France because France actually ended up not sixth to last and not yeah. the last position but actually sixth in the in the Eurovision Song Contest yeah it was a nice song uh, but this year's song it, I don't know I have a hard time believing that this song is going to be a repeat of, of uh, the success from last year uh, well of course we'll have to see but uh, you know what I find is always funny in France is how I don't know how it works in the Netherlands in Sweden it's a big thing the the contests leading up to the big Eurovision Song Contest is actually you have you have um, a, a big Swedish uh, selection to say so and you have I think it's four um, semi-finals before going to one final to select the Swedish contribution to the Eurovision Song Contest this is followed by millions of Swedes yeah. uh, they, they tour around the country uh, you hear the songs over and over how is it done in France yeah, well, nobody really talks well, about it. Well, they just, you know, you they know. just select a person and say, yeah. like, well, now it's going to be this person. Yeah, because they know that, well, they will probably never win. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's a... Uh, it's well, a culture, it's a, it's it's a culture, a culture clash, yeah. but it's a quite funny one. We'll see what's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, Well, the final is on May 13th, um, and that's uh, also the week 
in which France will have a new president. So maybe there will be a French winner of the Eurovision Song Festival and a new president. That would be nice. <laughs> that wraps up this edition of So French. We hope you have enjoyed it. Please follow us on Twitter at So French News. And if you have any questions or suggestions, please send us an email. Our address is sofrench at sofrench.news. And please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or in SoundCloud. And you can also find us on the TuneIn Radio application. And please share the podcast with your friends. We will be back in two weeks uh, with a new episode of So French. We hope you will join us then. Uh, thank you for listening. Au revoir. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.